Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and tonight we are breaking down both the Chiefs' victory over the Bills as well as the Cardinals' um, just domination. Is that a strong enough word? Just dis- dismantling? We'll-, we'll go with win for now. The Cardinals' uh, Monday night win over the Cowboys in addition to some waiver wire thoughts ahead of Week 7. Uh, thank you, as always, for checking out the podcast. Appreciate all you consistent listeners out there. You can find us every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, throughout the season and have some good guests on later this week. But we'll worry about that later because right now we got games to break down, everyone. Chiefs 26, Bills 17. Not the best game for Patrick Mahomes, which I feel like we've been saying a lot this year. But this time it was different. It wasn't that he you know, wasn't making the most out of his opportunities. He just didn't have that many opportunities because the Chiefs were running the ball all the time. When Mahomes was back there, it was just like, what do the Chiefs need? And he is going to find a way to pick it up. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire touchdown nullified, third and goal from the 11. No problem. He'll find Travis Kelsey for a touchdown. Uh, you know, two straight runs and they're facing a third and 11. No problem. Mahomes picks up, you know, some of his 36 rushing yards to inexplicably uh, find his way over the first down marker. I mean, the play he made to help set the Chiefs up for their, I believe it was third touchdown of the game where third and five, he's rolling out. Seems like it's a situation where he stopped. He even like goes backwards for a second, turns his back to the play, all of a sudden puts his foot in the ground, bursts forward, gets within an inch of the freaking first down. Daryl Williams next play takes it to the house for six. So just one of those performances from Mahomes where, you know, you know, 225 yards, two touchdowns on 21 of 26 passing. Obviously that's great. But I mean, as we've seen over these last uh, couple seasons with Mahomes, the stats don't tell the full story. Truly does resemble the best quarterback. I think any of us have seen play uh, the, the position before. So we'll see if we can keep it up. But oh my goodness. I mean, the completion he had to Byron Pringle uh, after, you know, rolling out enough for the covers to break down was wild. I mean, again, just a situation where no, it wasn't the six touchdown. 350 yard game we've also seen from him in the past but uh, certainly a game that you know did show off all the upside that Mahomes has to offer as both a rusher and a pass with the run game it was the Clyde Edwards uh, Elair show apologies for uh, mispronouncing that in the past hit me up on Twitter uh, if and when I pronounce these uh, mispronounce these people's names that's someone that literally has tits in my uh, last name you know I am very uh, I, I need to be more conscious about getting these uh, last names right so Clyde Edwards Elair uh, very good game 26 carries for 161 yards mentioned before he had a touchdown from inside the 10 yard line nullified by penalty I've seen the stat everyone when we calm down with this stuff I look that every single run he's had uh you know inside the five yard line and then people in my mentions proceeded to you know bark about whether or not one of the seven runs uh could have gone into the end zone or not i mean it's a situation where chiefs offensive line hasn't set him up for a lot of success and his very few carries uh near the goal line it's already a small sample with the 16 game season now i want to try to look at you know inside x yard line just not you know an argument i'm really gonna get behind because uh, edward zilaire has been one of these players throughout the year. Even if it, I think this week one kind of broken tackle totals were were, t- were painting you know a different story than necessarily what we saw in weeks two through five. He's been playing well. He's been getting the pass game upside. You know four catches uh, in this game too. Even, even if they only went for eight yards and continuing to dominate snaps. He played a uh, forty nine snaps in this game. Daryl Williams down at just twenty three. Darwin Thompson at three. So you know they could not stop him throughout this performance. I mean Daryl Williams only had six carries. Darwin Thompson three. So the Bills. I mean it was like their strategy to pretty much play pass first and let the Chiefs uh, run the ball their heart's desires. And to the Bills' credit, I mean, if they had gotten a couple stops along the way, uh, Clyde, at one point, you know, he fumbled and his knee ended up being down, so it wasn't a fumble, I get it. But Bills were in a position to actually take the lead uh, late in the fourth, which, you know, in a game against the Chiefs probably isn't what uh, we'd be expecting there. So, you know, it was uh, not the best strategy, I guess, with the way things turned out. But, you know, 
the the idea of taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, you know, it doesn't look good when someone runs for 245 yards on you. But again, it did kind of keep the Bills uh, in competition for a little bit longer than we might have expected uh, otherwise. Uh, with the receiving core, Travis Kelsey, five catches, 65 yards, two scores. Uh, Demarcus Robinson did his thing with, you know, every time we expect Miko Hardman game or Miko Hardman season to be coming up, Demarcus Robinson uh, catches five catches, 69 yards, no touchdowns. Miko did not have a catch, was targeted just once. Frustrating uses because he was out there. I mean, as much as you would want to see him in three wide receiver sets uh, along with these other guys. And, you know, specifically compared to the other uh, wide receivers on the Chiefs, Robinson had 69 snaps. Tyreek had 67. Uh, Miko, okay, as I'm looking at this right now, he was not out there as much as the other guys. This was the problem, everyone. Tyreek and Demarcus Robinson were the top two receivers and snaps. Miko at 29. Byron Pringle at 28. So this is not good. You know, I've been dubbing him as, you know, the handcuff throughout this offseason. I'm going to take my L right here, right now i know me cole hardman can do a bunch with touches but if they're not even going to scheme if one if they're not going to scheme them up you know those jet sweeps the debo samuel pop pass uh, special stuff like that if we're not getting that and we're not even getting consistent usage because of byron freaking pringle you know it's going to be tough to not only start me cole but even to hold on to him at this point i'll be cutting him uh from several you know season-long leagues that don't have any sort of dynasty uh potential after seeing this sort of usage not good and it's a shame because again i mean this is someone that literally broke the record for yards per target as a rookie, making all sorts of explosive plays throughout, I mean, his young career and the fact that they can't find a way to get him the ball more with Sammy Watkins sidelined, uh, disappointing to see. And the reality that Watkins, you know, doesn't seem to be dealing with a season-long injury or anything of that uh, nature with the hamstring injury makes Miko all the more cuttable. Uh, Tyree Kill, three catches, 20 yards. He did get one rush attempt, but, you know, just three targets on the, on the uh, evening, so awfully quiet. He has now gone 15 games without 100 receiving yards and a score. Didn't have a streak longer than five since his rookie season so even the Alex Smith there and we're seeing more uh, big popping performances from Tyreek they'll still be there I think it's just a matter of the coverage you know focusing on him so much and in this game just Mahomes only having 26 uh, pass attempts but uh, you know we're waiting on that uh, big breakout tie freak of uh, kind of vintage performance otherwise you know didn't see anyone on the Chiefs even rack up 70 total receiving yards uh, you know good win win is a win is a win they did not even need to put their offense really into full gear we're able to just win it on the ground so credit to Clyde Ever Edwards E. Lair. I know the big question um, moving forward with him in this run game is what is Le'Veon Bell going to mean to the system? I do think that Edwards Elaire is going to remain the lead back and lead them in touches more weeks than not. Um, Daryl Williams is obviously the candidate to get kicked out of this committee sooner rather than later. But, you know, as we've seen with the Gus Edwards of the role, uh, Gus Edwards and the Justin Jacksons uh, of the world shouldn't be, and even like Ronald Jones with the Buccaneers, shouldn't be so quick to assume a new running back can immediately take the role. So if you can get Le'Veon Bell as a bench stash, absolutely. But I would not be lining up to start him uh, as early as week seven or you know even immediately after that I think eventually it's gonna be Edwards Elaire you know 15 20 touches per game and Le'Veon getting closer to 10 maybe we see some more two-back stuff but I mean they drafted Edwards Elaire thinking they were gonna have uh, Damian Williams and I think that they probably just want Le'Veon to kind of help shore up some of their things in the past game because that is uh, you know and has been really what he's been best at throughout his career all right now other side of the ball with the Bills Josh Allen 
14 for 27, 122 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, pretty, uh, you know, Josh Allen vintage performance, I'd say. Uh, he had a 5-14 to 14 start to the game, but it was electric because that's what Josh Allen is. Even when things are not going right, uh, Josh Allen is still out there uh, making all kinds of plays, whether that's good or bad. You know, didn't get a ton of help throughout the uh, evening. He had a deep touchdown, uh, borderline drop by Stephon Diggs, uh, was able to get back and get a connection with Diggs for the score uh, from the goal line. Great play by both of them, but uh, just situation where didn't quite see that 300 yard ceiling or even the you know immense rushing upside he had 42 yards on the ground but no scores the bills didn't rush for a touchdown as a team otherwise i'm sure Allen would have tried to be the guy uh, that got in there so just honestly a, a situation of play volume the chiefs were able to soak up so much of this game and so much of the time possession that uh, Allen just never really had much of a chance uh, to come back in the second half i mean we were at the 10 minute mark of the fourth quarter and the bills offense had seven plays at that point so even though Allen was able to drive them down for a quick touchdown never got a really a true chance until it was the waning moments of the game which is when he threw that pick so he's gonna be okay everyone i mean titans and chiefs back to back Obviously not easy matchups, you know, with a whopping one combined uh, loss between them. Ultimate get right spot next week against the Jets. We'll be continuing to rank Josh as a top five fantasy QB for that spot. Um, in the backfield, so Devin Singletary continued to lead the way here. Uh, 36 snaps compared to just 13. For Zach Moss, we did not see TJ Yeldon at all. And that's kind of what we were expecting here. That's been the case with this backfield. Even going back to last year with Singletary and uh, Frank Gore mostly splitting the touches there. So, you know, Moss had five carries for 10 yards. Singletary, 10 carries, 32 yards. And Singletary got the backfield's two targets. Moss is technically the goal line back, but it's like being the goal line back in New England, like talking with Sony Michelle or Damian Harris. Like, really, what's the point? Or being goal line back when your quarterback is the one that's going to be getting the majority of the majority of the rushing touchdowns. So. Singletary, he's been playing better, you know, than a lot of running backs this year in terms of broken tackles and things. This wasn't one of his better games, but I would hope that they continue to use him, you know, heavily over Zach Moss. I do think he's significantly better talent. He's been better this season. He's been in the system longer. So Singletary over Moss, please. If he can stick with this, you know, 60, 70% snap rate while Moss is a true number two back, we'll get some more useful weeks as Singletary. I do think this is a little bit game flow induced. And as Moss, you know, continues to get healthier, uh, we'll see him flirt back with that 50 50 line but you know honestly both these guys it's gonna be hard to you know say that either will be a top 24 back at any point in 2020 uh, with the wide receivers on the Bills, Stefan Diggs, so good. Uh, caught six of eight targets, 46 yards, and a touchdown. Mentioned it before, but I mean, just the toe drag he was able to put out there and the way he was able to catch it and kind of get free for the whole thing in the corner of the end zone was uh, very impressive. Drew a number of penalties as well. And again, mentioned before, he had that potential uh, deep ball touchdown that just wasn't able to get uh, his hands fully on, but the defender kind of made a good play. I've, I've seen far more egregious drops this season. So Diggs, you know, continue to fire him up as anyone's idea of a high and wide receiver one weekly basis uh you know it's he's a guy i was targeting in my drafts at value but uh certainly someone that i probably should have had ranked higher in the preseason as that you know wide receiver 20 hey josh allen you know as erratic as he can be sometimes we saw last year with uh smoking to a lesser extent cole beasley still put together some big performances so we got to be careful uh, with the uh, you know wide receiver switching teams. We've seen that in the past, but I think when it's a player of the caliber of Diggs or the caliber of DeAndre Hopkins, we got to be a little more willing in the future to make uh, exceptions. I know Odo Beckham Jr. got us all scared off after uh, you know going to Cleveland in 2019, but uh, Diggs truly, truly, truly uh, one of the league's top and single best talents at the position. Uh, Smokey Brown got goose-egged on four targets, was kind of getting fed early, had a, had one such a pass hit him in the face mask, though, uh, after 
Jared Allen was a little erratic on the first few. So just wasn't wasn't a good game for him. And he didn't really look all that healthy uh, when he was out there as well. So he's someone that I'm going to kind of be in a wait and see approach uh, for the time being. Because with him playing as banged up as he is right now, I don't think he's you know going to be able to provide that wide receiver three upside we were uh, hoping for. Uh, Cole Beasley had a nice touchdown on a slant inside the 10-yard line. Ninth season and putting up career numbers. Uh, you love to see it from Beasley. Hashtag too much sauce. Have loved watching that guy since his days with the Cowboys. All right, everyone, quick shout out to our sponsor before we get on to the Cowboys. Uh, horrific loss to the Cardinals. PristineAuction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF today for $10 off your first invoice. And we are currently giving away a signed Amari Cooper jersey. That's right. The same guy that scored the Cowboys only touchdown in week six of the 2020 NFL season. Rate and review the podcast. And we will be choosing a winner next week. Love the folks at the Pristine Auction. So, yes, Cowboys lost the Cardinals 38-10. to If you had uh, Kenyon Drake on your fantasy squad, you are a happy man or woman because this dude finally gave us the performance we were looking for. And by the performance we were looking for, I mean two touchdowns, one of which was, you know, from the two-inch line after Kyler almost scored and nobody touched him, and the second of which was a 69-yard jaunt through a Cowboys defense that looked like they did not want to be anywhere near a football field. So, hey, you know, 164 yards was out there. It's good to know he still can run in a straight line that far, but situation where I think we've seen, you know, come on, Dearness Johnson was a talk of the town for a week because of after what he did in this Cowboys rush defense. I mean, it truly is a joke. And, you know, the fact they had Leighton Vander Esch back this uh, back tonight as well and still weren't able to do anything, uh, truly a sad, sad state of the Cowboys run defense right now. Just a situation I think that, look, Drake is still the lead back in um, – Arizona, 39 snaps uh, for him, 21 for Chase Edmonds. Drake had 20 carries, and uh, Edmonds only had five. We st- we're still seeing Edmonds a little bit more involved in the passing game, although both Edmonds and Drake uh, had just two targets in this one. This situation where, you know, I think it says a little bit more about the state of this Cowboys defense than, you know, an assertion that we should be expecting this uh, Cardinals offense to just be a weekend, week out juggernaut. Because honestly, Kyler Murray, uh, while he did make some awesome plays out there, overall performance, a little bit concerned. He uh, had a breathtaking, I mean, 80-yard touchdown to Christian Kirk on just a deep bomb, but, you know, had chances for other ones. He sailed a ball to Fitzgerald in the red zone. That should have been a touchdown. He had Andy Isabella open, really open deep once on, like, the third play of the game. Another situation where he maybe could have hit him with a good throw later. Missed both of those. And, yeah, I mean, just, it was, even DeAndre Hopkins couldn't get going. Only caught two of eight targets, one of which was an unreal 60-yard catch and run. That guy's yards after the catchability uh, remains to be uh, super underrated. But, yeah. Yeah, so Kyler, I mean, 9 of 24 against this Cowboys defense. You hate to see that. But as has been the case all season in fantasy football, land, it doesn't matter because this dude is the next big thing at the position in terms of a rushing talent. 10 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. As I was saying last week, Kyler Murray truly runs like an angry toddler. And, you know, he's the fastest angry toddler I have ever seen. So when he's out there, he's, uh, you know, Usually the fastest guy on the field, erasing angles. His agility is absurd. Uh, just no one can get this dude. So, uh, you know, he's continuing to get the goal line touchdowns. I believe that's four or five for him this year. Absolutely wild, the things Kyler has done on the ground. It was nice of him to give the one uh, rushing score to Kenyon Drake, but he is clearly willing to run the ball at the goal line, and the Cardinals have accordingly dialed up some good stuff for him. That is his... Wow, six rushing touchdowns on the season through six games for Kyler Murray. Cam Newton's NFL record at the position is 14. Those guys might be trying to break it uh, this season. 
All right, moving on to the Cowboys uh, side of things. Yeah, Andy Dalton, not great. Uh, kind of made this point before the game, but, you know, a loss in this whole discussion that, okay, best weapons of, of his career, which is debatable. That 2015 team with a prime, uh, 2015 Bengals team with a prime A.J. Green, uh, you know, healthy Tyler Reifert, Marvin Jones, Muhammad Sanu, and, you know, their backfield with uh, Hill and Geo. They really had some good guys out there. Now, the issue with the Cowboys is, you know, I'm not saying that Cooper, Gallup, CD, and Zeke aren't like a better unit than them, but the offensive line problems, particularly now, just aren't even close. And I'm not saying those Bengals offensive lines were necessarily awesome, but, you know, the fact Dak was doing as good as he was despite these O-line issues, I think speaks a lot to who he is as a quarterback as well. So they're already without Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, Joe Looney. You know, that's both their starting tackles and their center. And now Zach Martin left this game as well. So honestly, I mean, Zach Martin's their best lineman, period. To lose him just hurts this entire run game and offense. And I think that's what we saw out there, you know, from the beginning. I mean, just miscommunications on the O-line. There was never a second where it seemed like Dalton had a ton of time to throw. Even when he did, he was, you know, seemed like he was more willing to check the ball down than really take any sort of significant shots downfield. End of the day, 266 yards on 54 pass attempts uh one touchdown and two interceptions neither of which you know could particularly be called someone else's fault other than the ref uh, i would say the one you know to, to kirkpatrick where he pretty much tackled cd lamb we'll give dalton a break on that one but i think there was at least one other interception dalton threw or, okay no he had the play in the first half where he literally hit jordan hicks in the chest with it and it got dropped so you know maybe the both the interceptions uh, weren't dalton's fault but he was certainly playing with fire in the game look he's gonna be uh you know based on the volume and based on this cowboys defense continuing to let teams uh, score all these points and having the talent around him he does he's gonna be in the qb2 territory but but again, in his best season ever in 2015, he was the fantasy QB 11. I am not expecting him to flirt with, you know, QB one production more weeks than not. Maybe he can get there on the volume, but you know, he's not Dak Prescott. He's not anything close to Dak Prescott. He has no rushing floor, never has, and you know, has so much less upside as a passer as well. So uh, this situation where, you know, credit to the Red Rocket for being in this situation and getting the chance to go out there and uh, show that he can be America's team's quarterback. But right now, America's team it looks freaking awful. Number one the NFC East uh, good for them but man not uh, the performance that really makes you feel good about Dalton and these guys moving forward of course wasn't all Dalton's fault. Also, $90 million man, Ezekiel Elliott. 12 carries, 49 yards on the ground, 8 catches, 31 yards through the air, and 2 fumbles. And he has now lost uh, at least 5 fumbles in 3 of his 5 NFL seasons. You know, problem they never really had in Ohio State. Surprising to see, but, you know, my favorite stat I've been able to pull up to kind of reference this is LaShawn McCoy, one of my favorite players from last decade. You know, we've all seen him run before. He holds that ball like a freaking loaf of bread in one hand. Shady McCoy never had more than four fumbles in a season for the last 12 years, despite, you know, regularly uh, racking up over 300 touches. So just madness. And, you know, the fact that Zeke was this ineffective is wild. I mean, look, he's going to have better days. You know, it's, it's fun to make the Tony Pollard better than Zeke jokes from time to time. Obviously, Zeke is one of the league's better running backs, but, you know, he's not in that Derrick Henry zone. He's probably not even in the Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Kamara zone. So if you're paying, you know, a top eight instead of a top one or two running back, $90 million, uh, you can see the issues with that. And a shout out to uh, Ben Baldwin, always doing some awesome analytics stuff. He had a great stat uh, from the first half where the Cowboys lost 15.1 expected points on 12 combined Zeke rushes and targets. Absolute madness, everyone. Uh, with the wide receivers, 
hilarious first half target uh, distribution. Well, not hilarious for uh, all you out there with these guys on your teams, but Amari Cooper only had one target in the first half. CeeDee Lamb had zero. He did have one, but it was nullified on a penalty. But when things all came undone at the end, we did kind of see similar target distribution as Dak. Uh, Zeke led the way with 11, which was more just, again, Dalton being willing to check it down uh, whenever pressure kind of arose. Cooper and CeeDee Lamb each had 10. Michael Gallup had six. Dalton Schultz had five. Uh, Tony Pollard, four. Noah Brown, two. Cedric Wilson, three. So, you know, 54 pass attempts. All these guys are going to have room to eat. Obviously, just not nearly as efficient as it would be uh, with Dak. Michael Gallup dropped a touchdown. Um, kept getting the goal line fades, though. I mean, clearly, Dalton wants to put it on him. While Gallup did drop one, he also beat Patrick Peterson deep on another one, uh, and Dalton sailed it on him. So it wasn't all his fault, but it wasn't a great game. Uh, CeeDee Lamb ended up, you know, catching seven passes for 64 yards after that really quiet uh, first half. Showed some nice yak ability, which I know he has, but that dude just looks so slender out there. You don't see him getting away and breaking too many tackles with physicality, but, you know, the feet are flying when he has the ball in his hand. Uh, and then Amari Cooper, ultimately seven catches, 79 yards one touchdown on that you know just awesome little route he runs on the goal line where he kind of fakes the cross or comes back uh you know i want to call it a pivot route maybe i'm wrong but either way amari cooper makes it look easy and he is a very hard man to garbage one defender so it was good to see them get cooper going a little more in the second half it looks like he is going to continue to be mccarthy's uh wide receiver one lamb's going to continue to get fed you know just having these great matchups in the slot i wouldn't give up on Gallup just yet but again he's more of a boomer bust guy with the way they're using him this year so uh definitely not a situation where we can expect any sort of consistency from Gallup moving forward uh, with Schultz, I mean, four catches, 35 yards. He was really involved in the first half, but, you know, I think he's going to be a tight end too here. Look, this Cowboys offense was the unit that we wanted, you know, anyone involved in, but I think moving forward, uh, it's going to be more of a situation where in good matchups, uh, maybe we can take a look, but otherwise it's only going to be, you know, Zeke, Cooper, Lamb, everything else. Let's chill out a little bit. A uh, quick shout out to another sponsor before we get on to some waiver wire thoughts, everyone. Uh, all-time first depositors. Let's try that again. All first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least $20 in their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just $20. Bucks, and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 bucks into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. All right, everyone, waiver wire thoughts. There Now, let me start this off with there is no one this week that I would be busting your fab for because most of these injuries are situations that are muddled uh, or, you know, there's situations that are going to change soon. And there weren't, you know, really any just key long-term injuries, maybe with the exception of Raheem Mostert, but not too many super long-term injuries that I think open up a ton of value. So, you know, we got bye weeks on the horizon. I get it if you need to try to get a spot starter in there, but none of these people I would, you know, be recommending as, uh, you know, the Mike Davis, the Justin Jefferson, some plays from past weeks, you know, where we were really pressing you guys to try to get them. Even like Chase Claypool uh, last week as number one ad, I would put anyone this week, you know, below him. I would say probably don't go more than 30% uh, above the fab, you know, on any of these guys. I know the situation is, you know, different with everyone in different leagues. And if you have all your fab available, okay, that's a, that's a different conversation. But in general, I'm just a little bit, uh, you know, hesitant on trusting any of these guys with, you know, 
legit top 12 production or anything resembling that, their position moving forward. But getting into it, uh, Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty with Raheem Mostert now on IR. They're facing the Patriots this week. So when Mostert was out before, Jarek McKinnon had 14 rushes in both games and 12 combined targets on 62 and 92% snap rates. The problem is that there's no Jeff Wilson, who's out with a calf injury in week six. And we saw McKinnon play 23 snaps, but Hasty was right there at 15. I mean, when, when Mostert came back, they actually used McKinnon strictly in the scat back role and Wilson was actually playing more with Mostert uh, than he was with uh, only McKinnon in there so again it's confusing I don't really know what's going on Kyle Shanahan you know clearly now that he has Debo Samuel and George Kittle back in action I don't think he feels the need to get McKinnon quite as involved as a receiver and if they like what Hasty's doing on the ground you know wouldn't be shocking to see a situation where Hasty actually works ahead of McKinnon in some of these early down situations. So if Jeff Wilson is back there, you know, I think we will see a three back committee of sorts, you know, gun to my head. I do think McKinnon is the league guy. And, you know, with most of out, I'm going to be ranking him as a top 24 back this week, but you know, don't think he's going to be climbing in that top 16 or anything. I think that 92% snap rate and him getting all those touches was more of a result of not having Debo, not having Kittle and they, McKinnon pretty much had to be the number one option in this offense. So now that that's not the case, they also got Ayuk doing good things. I just don't think they're going to go out of their way to, you know, force feed uh, McKinnon the ball. They were doing that with Raheem Mostert because that dude is explosive as all hell and, you know, making great plays. I'm not saying McKinnon hasn't played, hasn't played some good ball this season, but again, didn't have Debo or Kittle in the lineup. I think we're going to see those guys prioritize way over any of these running backs uh, moving forward. So, you know, McKinnon, if he's out there, get him and he can fire him up as a, you know, low-end RB2 flex option. Hasty is going to be a way-to-week guy. I don't hate the thought of getting him, especially if we get some more clarity on how long Jeff Wilson could be out. But uh, ultimately, I do think it's going to be more of a committee set with this offense looking to get their talented receiving options more involved moving forward. All right, with the Eagles now, because uh, Miles Sanders is going to be missing the Thursday night game against the Giants, Boston Scott. So in week one, with Miles Sanders out, it was Boston Scott playing 56% of snaps, nine carries, two receptions. Corey Clement was right there, about 37% snaps, six carries, two receptions. Now, I don't think that's what we're going to see moving forward. I think we're actually going to get closer to a 70-30 uh, Scott split. That was more what it was last season and the few times that we saw Scott out there. And he's been used so much over uh, Clement really ever since uh, that week one game. So last week, Clement was active even though Sanders left. And Clement had no touches on just seven snaps on offense now. Boston Scott, 35 snaps, only two rushes and four targets. But this was a situation where they were in comeback, heavy comeback mode against the Ravens. Scott was pretty much the only guy consistently on the field. So that means he's their pass down back. And that was kind of the big thing with Clement. I mean, when he was having his heyday with the Steel, uh, with the Eagles, excuse me, uh, you know, winning the Super Bowl and making, I think he had over 100 yards in that game or pretty, pretty darn close. So if Clement's not going to be getting the pass down work, I don't know if he's really going to be getting any sort of consistent usage. So Scott's going to be someone that I'm going to be ranking higher than Jarek McKinnon uh, this week both for the matchup and for the projected role i think uh, scott's could be a legit top 20 option not top 12 guy like uh, some of these people we're not treating him like alexander madison too soon all right sorry guys but uh with uh with this matchup against the giants not an awful defense i mean look there's six in the fewest yards before contact per attempt but when you just consider the, you know, the consistently awful situations the offense puts them in. And, you know, we've still seen them give up 90 yards and two scores to Deke, 100 to Zeke, 113 yards to Benny Snell, even 82 yards on just 16 carries to David Montgomery. Certainly not a unit we need to fear. You know, we were chasing opportunity with running backs and Boston Scott has a lot of it. So I would say, you know, in most league sizes, judging on who's available, uh, you know, if you can get DeAndre Swift ahead of Boston Scott, I kind of get that. But otherwise, you know, I would say for week seven alone, Boston Scott would be 
my top recommended waiver ad for the guys that are probably out there. Uh, if Justin Jackson's available, go get him. Uh, I, I would assume people probably picked him up and held him through the bye, but just as a reminder, I mean, in week five, uh, this was a game that Chargers were leading 20 to three. Jackson led the way with 59% snaps. Kelly was at 35%. Jackson, 15 carries. Kelly, 11. And Jackson had the five receptions while Kelly just had one. Now, Kelly did have all four snaps inside the 10-yard line. What we're looking at here is that Justin Jackson is pretty much the Chargers' poor man's version of Austin Eckler, and Kelly is the poor man's version of Melvin Gordon. So they're not could be as good as those backfields were but you know what with Herbert moving the ball uh, you can definitely do worse than someone getting uh, 10 to 15 touches if not more uh, if you're Justin Jackson in this offense so uh, with Jackson getting the pass down work I do think that's gonna be a little more consistently valuable than being the quote-unquote goal line back I and mean, we just don't know if that was you know it was a fluke it's all the four rep sample size and uh, I do think that Jackson his ability to run between the tackles has honestly looked just as good, if not better, than Kelly this season and last season. He's been the better overall running back. And if they want to just end up uh, kind of feeding him, I mean, if Kelly's fumble problems pop up again, I know he went one game without one. Good job, man. But uh, another, if a third fumble hits that ground, the defense gets it. I uh, wouldn't be shocked if Jackson completely takes over. So Jackson will be, uh, you know, tr- can be treated as an RB2 this week. I would try to find someone else to start other than Kelly again. Without that pass game floor, you're looking at a touchdown dependent RB3 option at best. So DeAndre Swift, I don't think that we're seeing a true takeover situation. It's good to hear that, you know, coming out of the bye, they're obviously getting them more involved, but Let's take a little bit of a step back and look at what led DeAndre Swift getting all this usage and then all this production. First of all, he played great against the Jaguars. I mean, look, he had some truly solid runs. And it wasn't just that chunk, you know, 50-yarder where he was more or less untouched. He was actually making dudes miss out there. And he's caught 60 of 20 targets this year. I mean, that uh, week one drop, that could have won them that game against the Bears. Thing of the past, Stafford trusts him in the passing game. He's clearly the number one pass down back. The problem is that Karyon Johnson, Jamal Agnew, these guys are still stealing 20% of the snaps and, you know, a handful of touches per game. And Adrian Peterson, it wasn't like he was just full go and, you know, kind of got uh, surpassed by Swift. I mean, he was experiencing pain in his side uh, last week in practice. He's a DMP, DMP on Thursday. I mean, there were enough questions kind of about his health that, you know, reports were coming out before the game saying that he was expected to get a normal workload. Obviously didn't see that happen. So Swift, you know, as someone getting 10 plus carries per game, five targets, we can take that. Absolutely. That's, you know, an almost an every week flex starter and he'll be on that RB2 borderline. But as long as AP siphoning off, you know, 10, 15 carries per week himself. He's essentially being, you know, a Frank Gore for what the Jets had, you know, with any uh, running back that comes into there. So AP, he's, uh, you know, anyone's idea of a touchdown dependent RB3 right now. Please try to start someone else uh, on a week-to-week basis. And then with Swift, uh, you know, I'd say every week flex option with the potential for a little bit more. But I do question, you know, if we're truly looking at an RB1 ceiling, do the presence of Agnew carry on. And again, AP not going anywhere, particularly when he is healthy. All right, Mike Williams seemed to be pretty banged up at the end of last game. I hope someone has him in your league, but just want to say if he doesn't, go get this dude. I understand Justin Herbert's, you know, been feeding Keenan and even Hunter Henry. I mean, those were the guys getting fed targets, even with Mike healthy uh, for some of those games. But we've seen Herbert out there and the things he's doing. I mean, this guy has legit been a top eight fantasy quarterback this year uh, when he's out there. So over the last three seasons, Mike Williams has averaged a league best 18 yards per catch. Nobody else is over 17. 
I really do think if Mike Williams was in a different situation in the league, we would view him more as an alpha wide receiver one as opposed to kind of this number two option behind Keenan Allen. Both Keenan and Mike Williams are fantastic talents, and I think with Herbert under center, uh, we might get, get a chance to see both of them shine. So obviously Keenan is the one we're going to be ranking higher week after week after week, but you know, wouldn't it be shocking if we see as they develop a little more chemistry? Uh, you know, I certainly do believe Williams is going to be prioritized over Guyton and Johnson uh, more weeks than not. So again, Mike Williams is out there. Go get him. You could certainly do worse than having someone getting five to eight targets per game then uh, from Justin Herbert. So uh, AJ Green came out, not complete dust, apparently. Uh, weeks one through five, he had 14 catches for 119 yards. And week six alone, eight catches for 96 yards. Obviously, he's still not looking all that explosive, but had a team high 11 targets in that game. Clearly, the Bengals aren't done with him just yet, even though if his you know sideline antics continue to look like someone doesn't really want to be there. We're going to see, you know, it's Higgins, Boyd and A.J. Green kind of rotating as the number one guy week to week. Burrow has more dropbacks than literally any quarterback this season. We've seen the up and down efficiency, but as long as he is literally dropping back more than anyone else, you will, we will see these games where each of Higgins, Boyd, and A.J. can get you know their A-plus targets. I would still be prioritizing Higgins and Boyd. I just think they're better players right now, and we've seen pretty much any efficiency metric back that up. But you know, with A.J. Green still being out there, still getting these targets, he's at least someone that if he's on the waiver wire, again, you could do worse than someone getting uh, potentially 8 to 10 targets per week, even if they are you know of the dusty variety like A.J. Green. All right, last sponsor here before we uh, get out of here after a few more waiver wire thoughts. Uh, if you like fantasy football, you need to be playing on Underdog Fantasy, my favorite new fantasy football app. Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake draft. It's called Battle Royale. So in Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other teams in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pull together the prizes so they can offer big tournament-style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format. The first Battle Royale is already up in the Underdog app and website. It's $5 to enter. has a $25,000 prize pool and pays out 5k to first place so make your first deposit today and be sure to use my code pff after you do let them know that i sent you final three waiver ads here thank you as always for sticking with me here on the pff fantasy football podcast tim patrick had two really nice deep catches in that broncos win over the patriots so drew lock you know we were kind of joking about it on the uh, sunday review pod but about you know him going 10 for 24 and you know having two pretty ill-advised interceptions but who cares because it was entertaining but he could be a fancy friendly quarterback for these guys an 18 yard average target depth is absolutely insane usually we see guys like you know Jameis, 2019 matthew stafford Leading the league at like that 11 to 12 range at the most. Usually if you see someone with a double digit A dot period, that's someone that's, you know, kind of a fearless gunslinger. Drew Locke is like Jameis Winston after a freaking Coke binge or something. I mean, just to be out there and throwing downfield that often, just absolutely wild. He had five big time throws on the day. That was tied for the most of the week. Uh, one of my favorite PFF signature stats. And look, Tim Patrick, I, I think he gets passed up by Jerry Judy at some point. I think that talent wins out. But you know what? Patrick's looking good himself. Locke trusts him. The Broncos trust him. And either way, even if, you know, Judy beats him out, we're still looking at, you know, likely top two uh, wide receiver in this offense for sure. And more likely, I think it's a top two overall pass game option, even with Noah Fant, you know, likely to come back sooner rather than later. So upcoming schedule for the Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, Falcons, Raiders, Dolphins, Saints. I mean, look, against the Chiefs and Chargers, maybe not, but Falcons, Raiders, and the Saints, I mean, those are three legit uh, matchups where we could be treating Patrick as an upside wide receiver three. I think he's a real nice guy to have on the bench. Anytime we can get someone that is truly flirting with being in their team's top 
two uh, pass game options on a weekly basis. And I'm underselling him because he's been the number one guy really these last few weeks. Uh, you know, and to have that sort of upside and, you know, have it be on the cheap for a player that has impressed, uh, I think he's a good guy to have on the old bench. Rob Gronkowski, I think, is someone we can get back to treating as an every week, you know, upside tight end two, maybe even on that tight end one uh, borderline. It's not so much anything he did. I still think he looks awfully stiff out there running routes. He's not the same talent as before. He's getting his legs back under him a little bit. But, man, I did a Twitter cut up of the, of the throws that Brady was putting on Gronk. And every single time it was like Brady just putting it between two dudes exactly where it needed to be. You know what? These guys have been doing this for 10 years. So if we should expect anyone to be able to continue this sort of efficiency, it would be Gronk and Brady and you know having OJ Howard out of the picture obviously makes things uh, even easier you know Cam Brate still been out there a little bit has caught seven passes 50 yards and a score over the past three weeks but not even over 50% snaps meanwhile Gronk is playing almost in every down role so he's out there you know okay he had nine targets uh I'm sorry he had eight targets last week and Chris Goblin and Mike Evans combined for nine I don't think we're gonna see uh, Gronk almost out targeting their top two wide receivers more weeks than not but at a minimum he sure is looking like the number three pass game option uh, in this offense. You know, I guess Bruce Arians has just never had a tight end like Rob Gronkowski. Okay, sorry about that lame joke, everyone. Last one uh, before we get out of here. Darren Fells, Houston, Texas tight end. I would probably be looking to play Fells over Gronk uh, this week, all things equal. So, Jordan Aikens left in week four. Normally, this is a two tight end system with Fells and Aikens. Since then, Fells has caught two passes for 21 yards, two passes for 57 yards in the score. And last week, six catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. 80% snap rates the whole way. Not fluky. He scored seven touchdowns in 2019. I mean, okay, his 40-yarder a couple weeks ago was pretty fluky on a busted coverage. But truly, I mean, Deshaun Watson has consistently looked Fells' way in the red zone. He is not fast at all. I think he's you know turning 34 very soon. He's got the former basketball player tagline, but you don't really see that same sort of athleticism at this point uh, in his career. But he still has some underrated yak ability. I don't even know how to describe it, but big lumbering guy out there, not the easiest dude to get in the ground. So I think it's like kind of a poor man's version of Minnesota or Philadelphia uh, with the Texans where... Okay, obviously Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith are much more talented than either Fells or Aikens, but like like Irv Smith, like Goddard, you take the tight end one out of the picture and you actually have a situation where we can start to trust these guys as realistic, you know, borderline tight end one fancy options. So, you know, obviously if we're starting a team, we want Irv Smith or Dallas Goddard over Darren Fells. But we're not starting a team. We're just trying to score fantasy points. And when you consider that Fells has Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball and, you know, a pass-first offense, unlike those other guys, a uh, situation that you can get behind. And we're going to be ranking him ahead of, uh, you know, numerous tight ends here moving forward. So that's going to do it, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, as always, to Pro Football Focus, Fantasy Football Podcast. You can check me out on Twitter, at iHeartIt's. Always have these links going up in the morning and plenty of articles on the way. Got my QB rankings out on Tuesday, taking stock of every single NFL back. Backfield on Wednesday, wide receiver cornerback matchups, tight end analysis on Thursday, also mismatch manifesto on Thursday, and finally a DFS deep dive on Friday. So if I don't touch on any topics uh, here that you want to know about, please check out the articles. I usually get at least a couple sentences on every single fantasy relevant player for every week. So thank you again for tuning in. I am Ian Harditz. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.